you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pender. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I've got something that's counterintuitive for you today. What if I told you that if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, it means you are on the right track in your business? I'd love to welcome Bill to the show today. He just has this really counterintuitive philosophy uh, in the way that he does sales approaches. And I am excited for today's conversation. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Kim. You do a great job on your podcast. I've uh, watched a few and uh, I want to compliment you on the work you do. You're really good at this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Hopefully I won't bring you down today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that will happen, Bill. Bill, I always love to start with one of the big questions first. So, you know, let's just, uh, you know, give a really brief answer and then we'll explore this. But, you know, we know that entrepreneurs suffer from imposter syndrome. To you, what is it and what does it mean as an entrepreneur? Well, the the story started with me working with a lot of entrepreneurs, leaders, sales professionals over the last uh, three decades. It sounds like I'm old. Oh, I guess I am. Uh, and I, I've always been interested in how I can go into an organization and I can give advice and counsel and training or coaching, whatever you want to call it. And certain people take it and run with it. And 80% of the people don't. And the people that run with it start to have success and they start to build their business and their incomes go up, uh, maybe gradually, maybe exponentially. And yet people around them still say, oh, yeah, that, that, that doesn't work. That's not for me. Uh, yeah, that might be for you, but that's not the way I do it. And I'm always baffled by how that can happen, especially when one person looks at somebody else who's sitting across the t- room from them who is excelling because of this content that I teach and they still resist. And I've come to the conclusion that it's something internal. There's something about how we are built, our DNA, our mindset, our, you know, our perspective on life and imposter syndrome is part of that. And imposter syndrome, uh, you asked for the definition to me, it's just the, the notion that we're not we're not capable of, of succeeding, and we're so not capable capable of succeeding beyond a certain level that we will sabotage ourselves, and we will blame somebody else for our woes, or we will we'll have great information, and we all have a streak of it. I mean, we all have it. It's not like you either have it or you don't. Like, I've got imposter syndrome when it comes to recording video and putting it on the social platforms. 
sometimes I, I get that little negative voice that says, who are you, who are you to do this? I mean, really? Who are you? What, what gives you the, the, the right to record a video and put it out to 7 billion people? And I catch myself. So we all have it. The question is, do we notice it when we're having it? And can we take remedial action to get past it or see it for what it is, which is just a ruse? It's just our mind playing tricks on us. It's a, it's a movie that we have accepted as the truth, and it's just not. And so that's what fascinates me about the topic. You know, it's so funny that you say you have problems with video because I'm just looking at your bio here and you are the co-host of the Advanced Selling Podcast. And it says it's a top 30 marketing podcast on Apple Podcasts. Like that is incredible. And yet even you who could do all these podcasts, you know, still recognize within yourself that that resistance to doing video. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of their <laughs> resistance. <laughs> Very good. It's like a it's like an anti-therapy session. No, I'm just kidding. You'll have to understand. I I'm amused with myself sometimes. Um well, I don't, you know, I think that this is a confusing part about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome has nothing to do with ability or capability or skill. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. I think I'm decent at podcasting. That's why I have two. And we've been doing it for 17 years and the top, I don't know if we're still top 30. We're definitely top 50 on iTunes. So I know I've got the, I've got the chops to do it. It's got nothing to do with skill. It has more to do with, do you believe you deserve the success that would come from doing this on a regular basis? And that's a whole different level of, of psychotherapy and of really reflection. And so uh, here's an example. We've been doing the Advanced Selling Podcast, Brian Neal and I, Brian, we co-hosted for 17 years. We were one of the original podcasters. Before people knew how to download podcasts, we were doing it. And we're doing it weekly. Well, at some point, we said, well, we should do this daily. Why are we doing it weekly? You know, if it's good weekly, could it be even better daily? And we tried it for a couple of weeks daily. And we started to see some numbers, you know, grow, but we didn't give it enough time. And we said, you know what, we're just going to relax back to weekly. So that's an example of something that I, I believe had we given it six months of, of daily, we could have been in the top 10 of iTunes, but we were satisfied and we were, and, and that's not a, a, that's not a judgment. It's just a fact. Yeah. And so that's an example of, I think we got, I think I have the chops, but sometimes I get in my own way. And I think for authors, I know you speak pretty heavily to people who have written books or, or thinking about writing books. And that is one thing that gets in the way of an author is, do I really, am I really up to putting my thoughts, getting my thoughts out of the brain onto a piece of paper? And am I willing to distribute that? Because haters will come People will say, they'll review you on Amazon and they'll say, what was this pile of garbage? I didn't like it. And we'll look at the one, we won't look at the nine who loved it. We'll look at the one who didn't and we'll take that personally. That's imposter syndrome. Uh, I, I love that. And it is so true. One of the things that I talk to my clients about early on in the process is the fact that, you know, when you're writing your book, if, if you looked at... It's not really a hundred people, but 
if you look at the top of the hundred, you know, the 85 to hundred, those are the people that, you know, love you, love your book. They're your brand ambassadors. They're the ones that, you know, are going to tell everybody about your book. They're going to share it out and you don't even have to do anything. You, they just, they just love you. Mm -hmm. But then at the other end, there's that 10 to 15 at the other end percent and they hate you. They hate your message. And, you know, given the chance, they will actively uh, promote against you, including really interesting Amazon reviews. Yeah. I'll, I'll share a, a funny story. So when I first started writing books back around 2011, 2012, wow, I can't even believe it's been over 10 years. Um, I wrote books on network marketing because that's what I was doing at the time. And I wrote books to help people in network marketing and to help my team members to sell and recruit. Yeah. So the one book was called Network Marketing Recruiting. Pretty, pretty basic, pretty, pretty mm -hmm. to the point. You know, 50 ways to, you know, to find uh, leads for your network marketing business. Anyway, I get a review on Amazon, a one-star review from someone who says, that they didn't like the book because it was about network marketing. <laughs> mm. And yet, wow! As, as much as I knew that 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 review was just stupid, I still remember it to this you day. Do. This you don't the other hundred. You remember that one, and you're bringing it up. Yeah, but I I think you know the the thing is is that. There are going to be people who don't like you, don't like your message. And it's something you just have to accept. I tell my clients, don't even worry about them. Don't think about them. That's don't right. focus on them. Focus on the people who are going to love your book. And, you know, sometimes you have to deal with negative reviews. Um, there have been a couple of times on Amazon where there was a couple of reviews that were more personal attacks than that. And, you know, I had to go to Amazon and they deleted those reviews, um, you know, because it, it, it wasn't fair. And uh, just so you know, audience, if you do get reviews like that, that are like personal talks, really don't have anything to do with your book or, you know, or just really malicious, you do not have to leave those comments up there. You can go to Amazon and ask them to re to review them. And if they feel that, you know, they go against their terms and conditions, they will remove them. So that is a good thing. Uh, but, you know, one thing I was I was thinking of is while you were talking is the fact that we use when we when we're feeling like imposter syndrome, we sabotage ourselves. And, and I can re I can remember times over the years where I did that. Because you were correct. I didn't believe I was worthy of the success. And, you know, I look back at that now and I think, oh, man, if I just if I had just known about this back then, if I could have just conquered this yeah. back then, how much further along the road would I be? And I think it's just really important. You know, the, the title of today's things is Diagnosing Our Imposter Syndrome. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, what I would love for you to do is um, I'm going to get you to share in a moment about diagnosing our imposter syndrome. 
But we are going to stop right now for just a really quick ad break. I promise you 17 seconds or less, but I have resources, free resources that you are welcome to take advantage of. And so listen to this quick ad and we will be right back. One of the keys to becoming an author is hiring the right publisher. It's the difference between having a book that converts readers into clients and one that sits unused on a shelf. Check out seven questions to ask before hiring a publisher. Get it free at authortoauthority.com slash publisher. Welcome back, Bill. I would love for you to share, how do people diagnose if they're suffering from imposter syndrome? Great, great question. So here's how I recommend. And again, my business is not just an imposter syndrome. I, that's not what I coach on solely. It's just that that's a thing that gets in the way from my other work, which is where I'm coaching and training people in the art of achievement and sales achievement and, uh, and high income for high income earners. So the first thing I always say is list out or, or think about the things that you know you should do that you don't do mm -hmm. in, in business, the things you know you should do, but you don't do. Um, let's say in my business, I know I should create, well, this is actually something that we're finally doing, but I've been putting it off for, for years. We're creating a program next year called a million dollar seller. And the million dollar seller is a combination digital and coaching experience. It's a 12 week course and we're launching in the middle of January. And the idea of it is, is I've got 12 lessons that I have scaled all my material back to 12 of the key lessons that if you will do these things and do them consistently over time, you will generate exponentially more business and more income. Will you get to the million dollar? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But if you can go from 100 grand to 300 grand, that's an exponential improvement in, in results. And I have, I have had this program in my Google Drive for two years mm. without, without letting it go. Well, that's an example of I knew I should do it. Back to my definition of, of how you diagnose is what's, what's something that you know you should do, but you don't do. And then ask yourself the question, does it have anything to do with imposter syndrome? Like mm -hmm. if I said, you know what, I wanted, I want to be in the, in the national basketball association. I played basketball all my life. I love it. I'm pretty good at it, but I'm 67 years old and a white dude who can't jump anymore. Probably not going to make it in the NBA. Now, should I, should I go work out? Should I work on my jumping skills to get in the NBA? Yeah, but ah, come on. So that's not that's not an example of something I should do, but I don't. That's not imposter syndrome. I, I, I wouldn't have the ability. But most of the things in business are not that way. So it could be something like, yeah, I know I need to post more on, on LinkedIn. That's that's the typical thing that I hear from my clients. Yeah, I know that I've got to do a better job at marketing myself and marketing our company and our marketing department's terrible. They don't bring any leads in. So I know it's up to me, but I just don't have the time. Well, that's BS. You know, you have the time or you mm -hmm. don't make the time because you're afraid of what the world will say. Mm. You're afraid of what your colleagues will say. Who I saw you're, you're putting more LinkedIn. I've got this exact example of, of a client I'm working with. There's 20 people on this team. Five people are doing LinkedIn videos for, on a consistent basis and, and they get crap. They get garbage from the other 10, 12 people. Now it's, it's in good, it's in good humor. Like, yeah, I saw that your head looked like, you know, well, where'd you get that tie? 
but they have burrowed through that and they keep doing it and the results are starting to show for themselves. So that's an example of, I know I should do it, but I don't do it and don't blame it on time or I don't know how to work my phone or, you know, I don't sound good on recording. I mean, we all have that that garbage that goes through our mind. It's because you're afraid of what the world will think and you might even succeed wildly. What will you do with that? What will you do with success where people are coming to you saying, I want to work with you? Because we always say, I, I know I'm rambling. We always say, oh, we would love it if we had inbound calls. God, if I didn't have to make another cold call, life would be so good. And then I give them the exact way they can do it. And they say, yeah, but but I that's how I grow my business. I make cold calls. I don't like them, but I make them. Well, how good are you at making them if you don't like them? A, mm -hmm. I don't find people really do them that frequently. I think we talk about cold calling, but we don't. We, there's a difference between talking about it and doing it. So I give somebody the exact plan for here's how to do this. Here's how to get inbound leads and they don't do anything with it. And I'm convinced it's imposter syndrome. It's they wouldn't, they wouldn't know how to act if they didn't do cold calls. And what if I became massively successful? What would happen then? We're afraid of, I think we're afraid of success. There's been books written about fear of success. I think we're calling it imposter syndrome now, but it, it's just a fear of, it's an anxiety, success anxiety. And it's so funny because it's what we want. It's what we say we want. Yeah. You know, um, and yet, you know what I think it is sometimes is, is that, you know, we, we look at certain successful people. So at the time of the recording this at the beginning of November, Matthew Perry just, just passed away. He just drowned, you know, and, I, I think of others, you know, um, Robin Williams and other people like that who who had everything. Yeah. Like they had the success. Yeah. And yet their lives were still empty. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, sometimes when in the back of our minds we think, okay, I want to be successful. But I think sometimes we see what success looks like and maybe internally we True. really don't want it. True. Or we use that as a reason not to pursue massive success. You remember the VH1 program called Behind the Music? I don't know if you're, I remember it, maybe I'm older, but back when VH1 first started, uh, MTV VH1, they had a program called Behind the Music. And that was the story every week. Person grows, sings, gets famous, goes to drugs. And if they don't die, if they make it through it, then they get centered and grounded and they have a great career. But it's like everybody goes through that. And the imposter syndrome says, you're not as good as the $12 million you just made you think you are. So you're going to sabotage yourself to get back to the thermostat regular regulation. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that in music, and especially when you go from, you know, making no money to, to making $50 million a year because you have a hit record. That will mess you up if you're not grounded. It just will. Yeah. How many times do we need to see it before we say, yeah, that'll... but if we then take that and say, well, see what happened to Michael Jackson with profile. I, I don't want any part of that. So I'm just going to rest here. I'm going to be happy with my job where I go in and work from my cubicle, you know, 10 hours a day with a fluorescent lit room. I'm going to be happy with that because I don't want that to happen to me. And we don't see that there's an, there's an in-between. You don't have to be insane and crazy to be massively successful in sales or business, but you yeah. do have to stay grounded. And part of staying grounded is is knowing yourself well enough to know that when you don't want to do something, 
and you think about it a little bit, you say, yeah, now, now I know the real reason is that I don't want people, I don't want haters. I don't want people to see my flaws. And so that's where we have to get past. And I've got some recommendations for that too, but <laughs> take it from there. I don't want to get too far ahead of us. You know, one thing I came to realize is that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And I, I've become okay with the fact that I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I am somebody's cup of tea. That's right. And, um, you know, this journey in, in publishing, I've had people many times say to me, well, you need to raise your rates. You're not charging enough. And I would look at it and I would realize, yeah, I do. And then there would be the, but yeah, but what I've done over the years is every year I raise my prices. So it's, it's become part of my business structure now by how much, yeah. Uh, when I was first doing it, the jumps were smaller. Now the jumps are bigger. Uh, and I've I've got a target goal of where I want to reach. And I've decided that I'd rather just inch up. And I know that may be a bit of imposter syndrome, but it's actually worked for me over the years, as opposed to making these massive jumps where yeah. I don't feel comfortable with it. I will jump up to the next level that stretches me a bit, but not beyond the point where I'm going to sabotage myself. That's right. Yeah. And, well, and it has worked well. Yeah. You're, you're aware of that. And so you, your strategy is, is in line with that, your, your mindfulness of that. And so I, yeah, I think it's easy for somebody to come along and, and I have that happen in my business too. You're not charging enough. Well, okay. You know, so, and what, what's, what's just bump my prices up, triple my prices. You know, I've had consultants who say, you're just not charging enough. Then I've had other people come in and say, you're getting that for that. You know, so it's, where are you comfortable? Where can you look somebody in the eye and say, yes, it's $7,000 a month for a corporate training package. That's six months minimum and look them in the eye and, and know that that thing could be worth $5 million to them, but it's yeah. only seven grand to you to buy it. And we've got to look them in the eye and, and not and not say not sheepishly say it's seven k a month. We have to say it's seven k a month or whatever whatever the number is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the other thing I've realized too, and I I want to get to your book, so we're going to switch to that in a minute. But the other thing um, that I realized too is is that if I want to charge more, I also have to build the network of people who will pay for that. That's right. Because the current network I have will pay what I want. But if I want to charge significantly more, well, I have to up my network and, and meet with a higher class of people and network with a higher class of people to that will be able to afford it. I mean, it's great to say that, you know, okay, I'm going to three times my price. But if you're if your leads, if your prospects, you know, if your network can only is sustained at like a certain level, yeah. trying to raise it three times it. Yeah. Yeah. I have some thoughts on that. Can I share a couple things? Sure. Go ahead. Um, there is this thing called minimum viable product, MVP. You've heard of it. And the idea with that is to get something, get, get something out there. You know, really just get something out there to the market, whether it's a book or a freebie or a lead magnet or web page or whatever. Just do the minimum you can do and get it out. And I think I think that's a good strategy. The problem is 
we usually go from nothing to minimum viable product, and then we stop there. Mm. So, for example, a freebie. You know, I have this discussion with uh, Travis in my office. We're constantly saying, okay, we're going to generate a freebie. Like I've got a, a freebie right now. You can actually find it at BillCaskey.com, not to be uh, uh, promotional, but you, it's it's called Million Dollar the Million Dollar Seller Checklist. And it's a preamble to our course that we're running. Million Dollar Seller Checklist. There's 15 things there. If you're going to be a million dollar seller, you should, you should be mindful of and thinking of. So the question then becomes, okay, minimum viable product is I put it on a Google Doc. I put it on a Google Doc, and when somebody wants it, they just get sent to Google Doc. Well, that's pretty minimal. I mean, that is that what people really expect? And is that what I want my brand to look like, a Google Doc? Of course not. I want my brand to be beautiful and to be highly well-designed, and I want there to be pictures and graphics. It can't just be a list of 15 things. And... I think sometimes we we rest our laurels on this minimum viable product thing, and then we never go back and say, let's bump this up. Let's enrich this. Let's make this really special because that takes a lot of work. What picture are we going to use? What's the thought? You know, how, how long should it be? Are people really going to download 12 pages? You know what? They're not downloading. They're watching it on their screen. But if you can make it beautiful and make it really intriguing and compelling, that's going to attract a better, as you say, a better class of people so that when you list your price, they're, they're going to kind of realize that your brand is is a premium brand. Mm, and I yeah. think a lot of times we go into the marketplace with a low price brand and then we we say, well, we can't raise our prices. Well, it's because your brand is not, it's, it's not congruent with your pricing. So change your brand and the people I think that will follow you will be a better class of person, higher, higher ability to pay. I so agree. I so agree. Bill, let's change course here because you are an author. And so first of all, tell us the name of your book and uh, where can people find it? Yeah, I got it. Just happened, just happened to have a copy right here. It's called Same Game, New Rules. Whoops, get the shine off that. Same Game, New Rules. I, I uh, wrote it many years ago and have updated it many times since. You can find it at uh, on Amazon, uh, obviously, or any of the booksellers. Um, I wrote it because I needed to get this stuff out of my mind onto paper. And I would go out and I would train people and they would give me their problems and we would hatch workarounds and, and, and solutions. And for six months every day, I would come back and, and I would deal with a problem. Like I'm not getting enough leads. Uh, I don't feel confident enough in sales. Um, I'm not talking to the right person. I get I get pushed down into the organization. And so every day or every week, I would write some of these. And so there's 23 chapters in here. They're all three to four pages. And it's an evergreen kind of book. It was written 20 years ago, but it's other. I've taken some things out over the years, but it's generally the same thing that uh, you know everybody faced 20 years ago, we're facing today. So that's the and and I've sold I don't know thirty thousand copies of these so it's it's over twenty years that's not a lot but I've generated a lot of business from it a lot of consulting and training business and that's why I wrote it it wasn't to get rich on a book it was to have people go to the website connect with me get on the email list and that's that's the future of publishing obviously or or has been I love it I love it. So, Bill, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every single author that comes on the show. And audience, you know what it is. What was the good, the bad, and the ugly of writing and publishing that book? The good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Uh, well, the good was I got some advice early that said, go out and spend a thousand dollars and have the cover designed and, and print the cover out and put it in a binder. And then the rest is just filling in the filling in the blanks. So the good was I got some good advice because as I as I kept looking at the binder with this, I think I love this cover. I still still do. It like well that's the book. It needs to be written. It it's not like I'm just doing it in a Google. You know I keep mentioning Google Docs. But the point is that I had that design. So that was a good thing. I got some good advice. The bad thing is. Um, you can proof and proof and proof and edit. And the first time I got the book, I, I'm holding it like, wow. And I literally opened the page and I saw a mistake. <laughs> literally, I had my wife proof, everybody proofed it. And I I just read a paragraph and I thought, my God, if I just opened it and one, is the whole thing like that? And of course it wasn't. It was just one of those things that slipped through everybody's mind. So that's the, and I think that's the, that's the downside of, or that's why we hesitate hitting publish because we're, we're afraid that it's just not going to be right. The ugly is the ugly is doing the next one. Um, <laughs> because I've, I feel like this should be an annual book. Things change so much in the world of sales and achieve sales achievement. As I call it, I could do a 2024 version update it and then it would have some modern it would have modern things to it um and i haven't done that because i i haven't found a way to take these 23 things and and sift through them and decide which ones are still relevant and so i haven't done that so the ugly is i know i've got another book in me and um i just haven't written it <laughs> uh, i'm laughing because um, I've got quite a few of my clients who we've done more than one book with and, and they knew they needed to do the second book. And in some ways, the second book was almost harder than the first yeah. book. Yeah. And, and it, it had be. to do a lot Shouldn't with be. imposter syndrome because you think, okay, I, I, I did the first book. It was great. It's good. But am I good enough to do it again? Or am I a one hit wonder? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I, I I you know I've I've written some other we'll call monographs here. Like one of my favorite books is is this thing that I wrote called Quotes That Inspire Me. And it's 25 quotes from famous people, you know, Beethoven and um, you know, wild, crazy uh, Aristotle and people like that. And then I at the bottom comment on it and I talk about how it relates to today. And I send this out to all my clients. I don't sell it online. I just send it out to all my clients. And people love that because they people like quotes, especially if they're, you know, from 2,000 years ago. For some reason, those people have more, more compelling <laughs> quotes than we do today. Um, but that's an example of I just needed to get this out. I needed to have something to send to clients. And I just – so I think my next book will probably be more of a monograph. It'll be a 70 to 80-page book rather than a 300-page book. I think they just, that's, I think our attention span can handle that better. <laughs> Bill, we are out of time, my friend. Um, what I would love for you to do is um, share one final thought with us. And then if people have enjoyed today's episode, how can they connect with you? 
You can connect at billkasky.com. All of our free stuff there is there. And these uh, little checklists that we have created are there too. We've got one for leaders and one for high income salespeople and also one for brand new salespeople. Um, yeah, I think the thing that I, I would leave people with is, again, that idea of imposter syndrome. We all have it in different areas. And the more clearly we can identify it and, and recognize it for what it is, the quicker we'll move past it. I have two things that I was going to talk about. We can do it again sometime. But the, the idea that uh, do you have an obligation to your audience? If you don't feel like you're obligated to your audience, you're not going to burst through that thing. Like I'm, I'm to the point where I feel like, you know what, I've got enough followers that I'm kind of obligated to come up with new stuff. I want to do that. I want to serve them. And once you feel obligated to your audience, then it becomes easier to burst through that because it's not about me anymore. It's about them. It's about what I can do to help them grow. And so obligation is a weird word, but I think if you're not obligated to your audience, then you're, it's, it's too easy to say, oh, I'll, I'll do that next year. I'm not going to do that. Love it. Love it. Such a unique way of looking at it. Audience, if you have enjoyed today's episode, then if you are on uh, your podcast app, I want you to scan back about 20 or 30 episodes to episode 423, taking your business to the next level with my dear friend, Claudine Pereira. If you are on YouTube watching this, as you know, uh, you will see the thumbnail somewhere here on this screen and it will take you to that video audience thank you so much for listening and we will see you on Thanks. the very next episode bye now thank you kim you've, you've been, been listening, listening to, to the author to authority, authority podcast the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best selling authors and have used their books to land high level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.